Well, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. In just a moment, we've our tithe and offering unto the Lord and grateful for you and your faithfulness. Early this morning for first church and first small group, an elderly gentleman came in, took me a hand. He said, Pastor, I hadn't been here well over a year. Uh, he says, so good to be back in the Lord's house. Uh, he said, we just had difficulty. But at any point, his finger, he said, but my check comes every month. I said, yes, sir. Amen. And thank you for being here. And I said, just because you came doesn't mean you get a month off. All right. So amen. And, uh, but there are many like that that give online different places. We're grateful for all of you that allows the gospel to go from this place. I'm going to pray. Uh, the choir will sing and then we'll open the word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Pray with me and then we give. Father, we give you glory and honor today. Thank you on this Resurrection Sunday that you have raised Jesus from the dead and that he occupies the throne of grace this very moment. And we come boldly to pray and ask you, Lord, that you would save people in this service, grow your church. Thank you for what you did in early church today. And then, Lord, we're burdened heavy still of the Ukraine. Lord, I think of this dear brother just baptized from Moldova. Lord, that Ukrainian church is standing strong. Give them grace for this hour. Many reports coming of their concern about an Easter weekend invasion. Lord, I pray that the church would stand, that you would supernaturally turn back the forces of wickedness and vileness and evil, that you'd bring peace to that land and cause a revival to swell out of that country that would go around the globe. I pray we'd hear reports of the supernatural. Thank you for our people giving so that we can send aid and help. Lord, we commit now ourselves to you, our giving to you. and We thank you for your abundance to the Olive Church. We're grateful people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated, please. As they guarded the grave One day, two days, three days had passed Could it be that Jesus had breathed his last? Could it be that his Father had forsaken Turned his back on his son, despising our sin. 
he's dead And the father looked down to his son and
John. Thank you, John, choir, orchestra, soloist. Amen. We've been singing some of that old Jesus movement music this weekend. Yeah, new song, helping us arise, my love. I, I used to bother me the, that, that phrase, my love. And I asked, somebody, they said, well, it's, the Lord said it was only beloved son. So that's why I said, okay, I got it. I'm ready. Amen. Arise, my love. He loved the son and Jesus came forth out of the grave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Take your Bible. Stand with me. First Corinthians 15. We read the first 11 verses this morning in what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones years ago used to call the greatest chapter in all the Bible. I don't know how you come to uh, believe any chapter would be great, but he believes that this is the high water mark uh, of the written Word of God. First Corinthians chapter 15, as Paul writes about the doctrine of the resurrection. Paul writes, and we hear the Word of God. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which also you were saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred brethren at one time most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Then verse 11, where we get our title for the message this Easter morning. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, so we preach, and so you believed. So we preached, and so you believed. May God help us to believe. God bless you as you're seated as we look at this text. So we preach. I did a little Google search this week, just curious. I typed in greatest preachers of all time. Well, several things. I clicked on one. Paul was number 10. I said, what infidel made this list? I looked down, I said, I don't like that. I got rid of it, went, clicked on another one. Paul got, a, he got about six or seven. In the, in the, Jesus not even on the list. I clicked on another and people down through the different centuries, this preacher, this preacher. And I came to discern. You know, it's really not important who the preacher is. The issue is what the message is. 
Preachers come and preachers go. Preachers come and preachers go. But the Word of God stands forever. It's the message. The first preacher in the New Testament was John the Baptist. The Bible tells us in the third chapter of Matthew, and John came preaching. The second preacher is Jesus. In Mark 1, 14, the Bible says, And Jesus came into Galilee preaching. And here Paul says again and again, I preach to you. I preach to you in verse 2, verse 1, and in verse 11. So we preach. There are two different Greek words for preach. They're first cousins. They're very close, but they're different words here. Uh, one is a herald that would step out like uh, ringing a bell to uh, herald out. The other is someone who steps to make an announcement to say, I'm announcing such and such. Those words are first cousins, very close but they're different but here Paul uses them both in this text about himself we preach we preach we preach and so we preach and so you believe how will they hear without a preacher preaching is vitally important to the move of the gospel But the preacher's not important. It's the message that is the issue. So we preach. What do we preach? It's right here in this text. Number one, we preach Jesus crucified. Crucified. Notice it right here in verse number three. Paul said, I delivered to you the the very first thing that's important, that that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that, that Jesus died for us. Isaiah 53 prophesies about that. When we read Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and the chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us, all of us, every one of us like sheep have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. We preach Christ crucified. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. You see it there on the screen. And he himself bore our sins in his body. He bore our sins in his body on the what? The cross. So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. The cross, the cross cross is vitally, vitally important. That's why it's so important to us here. We stick it on things. We, we have it. We, 25 years ago with a new logo, we put the cross in the crown, and you see it. It's out here on the side of the building. It's on the sign on the corner, the cross and the crown, high and lifted up comes the cross. It's why we put the cross in this window and we built this building to lift high the cross of the Lord Jesus. You know, these screens in days gone by were not there. When we first built this building, uh, we would sing, and after the singing, then that glass would roll out of the way, and the screen would be behind there, and the preacher's face would be up there, and then sometimes notes, and then they'd amplify, uh, magnify the the pastor, the preacher uh, that would be there. And we had that until a little boy came to me one Sunday. I'll never forget it. 
he looked up at me and he said, you're the guy that makes the cross go away. I said, I don't know what it's going to cost, but we're going to fix that. I guarantee you, I, I'm not here to make the cross go away. I'm here to lift it up. Amen. And if you lift him up, he'll draw men and women needing that little half infidel boy unto himself <laughs> that God would do the work. But our job is not to hide the cross. It, it's to lift high the cross. That's why there's a cross on top of this building. That's why it's there. So the light illuminated. I had a uh, God flies in over to West Florida with the uh, helicopter bringing people in. It was a foggy night. He called and left me a message. He said, Pastor, don't ever you do, don't ever take the lights off that cross. He said, I dropped down out of that fog, down, 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 slower, slower, slower. And finally, I dropped, he said, I saw the lights on the cross, and I knew where I was. He said, don't ever take the light off the cross. Dear church, we dare never take the light off the cross. He's my coaching hero, John Wooden. He always carried a little silver cross in his pocket. Coach Wooden, I've read after him, he said, oh, when I'd get to a tough point, I'd reach down and said, I could feel that cross. And I said, oh, Jesus paid it all. Amen. He said, only eternity will reveal how many technical fouls that little cross saved me. He said some referee blind in one eye and cross-eyed in the other would, and he said, I'd start to, and I'd feel that cross in my pocket and just, uh, there were days I watched him that I think he forgot his cross, but he, most of the time, he'd have that cross, and he said the cross, he said, I know Jesus paid, and he said, it kept me straight when I keep that little cross in my pocket. He said, I just reached down and feel it, and I knew Jesus went to Calvary for me. Dear friends, we preach Christ crucified, crucified Jesus on the cross, dying for you, dying for me. We preach him. We proclaim him. But not only do we preach Jesus crucified, we preach Jesus raised. Amen. Verse number 4 says, and that he was buried and that he was raised. There it is. We preach Jesus raised. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then the Bible goes on to say that he made appearances. He appeared to Cephas. Then he appeared to the twelve. Then to 500 people. Boy, I'd like to have been in that congregation, wouldn't you? you just in a room. 500 folks are gathered out there buying your own business. Jesus walks in. There are a couple of times in, uh, you find it in Acts, it says that he just appears like he walked through the wall. You know, when you get to heaven, you're not going to have a body just like you got now. Flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God. It's a glorified body. You'll have a body like Jesus has got, not one like you've got now. Flesh and blood can't get in. Oh, but a glorified body. That's what Jesus had when he was raised. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And then Paul said, he appeared to me as one born out of due time, out of due season. He said, I wasn't worthy. I, I persecuted the church. Paul was an abuser. He was a godless man. He was a hypocrite and a murderer. And Jesus died for him. And he was raised and he appeared unto Paul. Look in verse number 12. I want to read just a few verses here in what Lloyd-Jones calls this greatest. Look, look at this. Verse 12 goes on to say, now if Christ is preached, amen, 
that he has been raised from the dead. How do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? There are some who say he didn't rise. But if there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are raised. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ, those that have died, they perished. They're dead. They don't have any life. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most pitied. Verse 20, glory to God, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. He is risen. We preach Christ crucified, but he's not on the cross. We preach Christ raised. The tomb is empty. But some say he's not been raised. I've sat in those theological classes where a half infidel would say, you know, the resurrection of Jesus was not a literal body resurrection. He just is raised in your heart. There's a Greek word for that. Baloney. <laughs> if Jesus did not get up, we're going down. If he didn't get up, my preaching is vain. We'll just go play God. If he didn't get up, your faith is void and vain. But let me tell you, verse 20 is true. Jesus did rise. We preach a risen Savior. There are people today that tell you he didn't rise. They, they stole his body. Can you imagine? A bunch of ragtag fishermen overcame Roman centurion soldiers, the greatest army in the known world, standing guard at the tomb of Jesus. And these fishermen overpowered Roman praetorian guard. After that, they rolled this boulder out of the way. Then without anybody knowing, they took the body. They, they left the napkin that covered his face. And they stole it. It's an interesting phrase where it says that they, the, when they came in, the, just the face covering was folded. I've tried to run this down. I found it this week. It was interesting. I, I, I read, they said in the first century that if, if dinner was over, that you would take your napkin and just wad it up. But if you left the table and you were come, come back, you folded it and left it there. They said the symbol of the tomb is that Jesus folded it because he is coming back. I don't know if that's just good preaching and really so, but it, it works. Because he is coming back. He's not finished yet. But can you imagine that people believe that those soldiers stole the... Oh, what'd they do? All you had to do was find the body, and it's all over. But they couldn't find his body because he really did rise from the dead. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ raised. I think Chuck Colson had it best. 
That man of Watergate days lying about the president. He said, let me tell you, there were a dozen of us and we couldn't keep a lie for 30 days. I know those guys couldn't keep one for 30 years. You mean to tell me they lied and lied? You mean to tell me those men would die for a lie? No, they wouldn't die for a lie. You wouldn't die for a lie. Nor would it. Let me tell you, friend, they died for the truth. The truth is Jesus died on the cross, but he got up from the tomb. We preach Christ crucified. We preach Jesus raised. But this text goes on to say we preach Jesus saves. Jesus saves. <laughs> Look in this text. Glory to God. When Paul gives it to us in the first two verses, for I make known to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which you are Say that word, church. Say that, that gospel by which you are saved. We preach Jesus crucified. Amen. He died. We preach Jesus raised. He got up. But I'm telling you, we preach Jesus alive today that he saves. He saves even to the uttermost. Hallelujah. This gospel is news. Part of the problem in our world today is we watch too much news. Well, it's really not news. It's just stupid opinion. We watch too much news. It's not bad enough you watch it on your television. Now you carry it around with you on your phone. You, who's saying what? News, 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 news. Did you hear? Did you, did you know? It's amazing. Well, I got some news today. I got a little news to give to you. You're not going to like some of it. I, I got bad news. Yes, I do. The Word of God has bad news for us. We have all sinned and we are separate from God. We've been separated from God by our sin. Isaiah 59, verse 2. Look at this verse up on the screen. Look what he says. Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The bad news is that, that we have sinned and we're separated from God. Paul is writing this to the Corinthians. In the first century, if you said about someone, he's a Corinthian, it was not that he was living in Corinth. It was he was a godless reprobate. Just the word Corinthian spoke of godlessness. It was a wicked, vile culture. The people living in Corinth were disillusioned. They were often drunk. They were desperate. The city was filled with sailors as it was a, a seaport town. A military was there and... Uh, we have a military town. You go down to those bars on a Friday and a Saturday night, you'll find them there. Through the years, they're here. They're retired and active. Military, separate from God. There were broken women because they had these godless tabernacles of false religion that involved revulsive acts with ladies and and when those women had gotten older and could no longer be utilized in the wicked temple they're just thrown out on the street there are broken women everywhere in Corinth. there were business people that made good money because it was a business hub there were housewives there there were young people uh, it was the sports center of the world at one time with the Isthmian games as people would run and throw, they were drunk on sport. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about Corinth. 
The bad news is, friends, we're separated from God, and we're as separate as Corinth was. That's why John the Baptist came preaching, repent and seek the Lord. That's why Jesus came, the first word out of his mouth in his preaching was repent and turn to the Lord. Amen. <laughs> the bad news is that we've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. There, there's a separation. Between, I got bad news. You're a sinner. But I got worse news. Don't worry about that, baby. Look right here at me. Do you know there are churches across our city today where there'll be no babies crying? Because there are no babies. A preacher can't preach over a crying baby or to quit. Especially when he has electronic amplification. Now have I got your attention back with me? Look right here. I got worse news. Not only is the bad news that we've sinned, the worst news is that on our own there's nothing we can do to remove our sin. You, you cannot deal with your own sin. Romans 3 and verse 20 says it this way, because by the works of the law no flesh will be just. You cannot keep the works of the law to be justified, for through the law comes but the knowledge of sin. You, you read the law and it just gets worse and worse and worse. You cannot get to God by yourself. But I got good news today. Jesus did for you what you cannot do for yourself. That's what the crucifixion and the resurrection is all about, according to Romans 3 and verse 25, where the Word of God tells us that he is the propitiation. I love that word. You can spit on the fourth row with this word three times. <laughs> For whom God displayed openly as a propitiation. Amen. In his blood, through his faith, that is to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins that were previously committed. That word propitiation means that he settled the debt. It, it, it means that he is drawn back together that that was separate. He's propitiated for us through his blood. What you couldn't do for yourself, Jesus has done for you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's good news. But I got the best news of all for you today. The best news is this. This eternal life and forgiveness is a free gift. And God calls on you to receive it from him. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This morning I came to church with two Chick-fil-A cards in my pocket. I said the first person before early church that brags on my beard, I'm going to give him a Chick-fil-A card. Then I went out here and stood in the hall. I said, the first person going into second church brags on my beard. I'm going to give him a Chick-fil-A card. I'm out of Chick-fil-A cards. I got some more in the office, but I didn't bring them for you. What they have to do? I wanted to give it. And you know, nobody that I, those two I gave, they didn't say, oh, no. They just took it. Put it in their pocket. <laughs> well, it's a gift. It's a free gift. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus died for you. He presents himself to you. If you'll take it as he offers it, 
You can receive the gift of life. Your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Go to heaven when you die for sin forgiven in this world. Your guilt gone and paid for. It's the best news you could ever hear. We believe that Paul went to Corinth where he wrote this letter to. We believe he went three times to Corinth. The last two times are just implied as we read in the New Testament. But the first time he went, we know because the story is told. In the 18th chapter of Acts, the Bible says that Paul came into Corinth and he was preaching. He was all by himself. didn't have a friend in town. And he began to proclaim the riches. And there were three people that got saved. Number one, he met Aquila and Priscilla. They were from Italy. The Roman emperor had run all the Jews out of Italy. And they left and came to Corinth and there they met Paul and came to faith in Christ. Aquila and Priscilla, they became great in the New Testament church. Great people. Leaders of the church in their home. Man and a woman together. There are couples sitting all over this place today. Matter of fact, if you're sitting by your spouse, I wish you'd just reach over and take their hand right now. Some of you can't sit with your spouse. She's not here. He's not here. But if you could, just, just reach over and take her hand. A friend, you're Aquila and Priscilla. Have you trusted Christ? You must trust Christ individually. But then there is something together that you become, Ted and Liz, Aquila and Priscilla. You become John and Angie. You can't say one without the other. Because they're in Christ and they're in love and they're in the faith. If you've never trusted Jesus or one of you have never trusted Jesus, when John sings this song in just a minute, I'm going to stand here and I want you to get up out of that balcony. I want you to come across this ground floor. Come and we'll receive you today. We'll help you. We'll love you. We're going to help you pray to know the Lord. You say, oh, preacher, I couldn't come. I'd be embarrassed. Oh, friend, even if you are embarrassed here, it's better be embarrassed here than it is when you get to glory. Amen. Know the Lord here. If you're at home today and maybe sitting there with a spouse, text me at 94,000. Just send that text, the word Savior, and let us know. We'll reach back to you and help you. And Maybe you and your bride or just you need to trust the Lord today. He met Aquila and Priscilla. Then a few verses later, he met a guy by the name of Titus Justice. Titus Justice, the Bible says, was a worshiper of God and he lived next door to the synagogue. Oh, this was one religious guy. He worshiped God, but he didn't know Jesus. He, he was religious, but not saved. See, friend, you can come sit in these pews. You, you can come to a church and not go to heaven. You can be religious, but never have been redeemed. You must call on the name of the Lord, and he'll say, it's good to be a part of this. It's good to be religious. It's okay. It's good. You'll find good people here, good fellowship, a lot of great things. But, man, don't trust church. Trust Christ. And Titus Justice got saved. God changed his life. Some of you sitting here today, you say, I'm already a church member. I didn't ask you if you was a church member. I want to ask you, are you a part of the redeemed? Have you ever come to faith in Christ? 
And then in that 18th chapter, Paul met Crispus. Crispus, just like crispy. And if Crispus had not met Jesus, he would have been crispy when he died. <laughs> Crispus. The leader of the synagogue, not the rabbi. This guy's the, the lead of the synagogue. He's a worker. And the Bible says that Crispus and his family came to faith in Jesus. He had kids. Their college kids in this room never been saved. And on this Easter, you need to trust the Lord Jesus. There are children in here that need to come to faith in Christ. Thank God for the cries of little children that grow up to be eight, nine, ten, and walk down this aisle and give their heart and life unto Christ. I was thinking this morning about this, these two guys that were standing here on this side singing in our service. Hadn't been long ago, they had both them children came forward and we baptized them in the life of this church. It's not enough for your daddy to be a singer. Jesus got to be your Lord. Children, if you trusted him. I have people all the time say, Pastor, do they really know enough to get to? Well, how much do you know? It's not what you know, it's who you know. And after you get to know the blessed Lord, you'll grow in your faith and you'll grow in your knowledge, some greater than others, but you need to know him you got to take me to a place. Tell me of a time. I was 10 years old, and I came and gave my heart and life to Christ. My mother, 81 years ago, she's 91 now. At 10 years old, she's just the same. She gave her life to Christ. I got saved in Bible school. My mother got saved in Bible school. We had lights when I got saved. They had oil lamps when she got saved. My daddy waited until he's 24. After he and mother had gotten married, and He's the first man I led to the Lord. Mama got pregnant. Daddy got under conviction. So we got to do something about this family. Off the church they went. Bandages came by and led him to faith in Christ. I take credit for that, and I get to heaven. I hope I get a crown. Amen. <laughs> hey, Dad, can you tell me about when you trusted him? Do you know? If he used to die today, would you go to heaven? So, oh, yeah, I'd go. I've done good. No, friend, you, you can't be good enough. You just be Jesus enough. Come running to the one who propitiates your sin. Little boys and girls. But there's an interesting verse in that Corinthian passage of Acts 18. I'll throw it up on the screen for you in verse number 10 where the Lord spoke to Paul and said, I am with you and no man will attack you in order to harm you. And then Jesus said to Paul, for I have many people in this city. Do you know the Lord had many people in Corinth, even in that wicked, vile place? Do you know the Lord has many people in Pensacola? Amen. It's a wicked, vile city. You can find all kinds of sin in this place. God bless it, but I'm telling you, God's got a remnant. He's got many people in this city. And some of you, he's calling this morning. Say, Pastor, how, how do I do it? 
Well, Romans says it this way. Paul wrote to the Romans and he said, If you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God did what? Raised him from the dead, you will be, what's that word, church? Saved. If you'll confess it with your mouth, just ask him right now. Just say, Lord, save me. He says, that all I have to do? Yes, save me. We have a deal here. We talk about who's your one. I prayed for my one. He's written in the front of my Bible. He was in early church today. He didn't come. But I keep praying. I got another name in this Bible. I keep it in the front of my Bible because he's dead and gone. I believe he went to hell. I had him right to the place one day where he said, Preacher, I'm, I'm, I'm go- all I have to do is ask him. I said, he said, do I have to believe that part about the resurrection? I said, yes, sir. That's not my deal. That, that's what Paul said in Romans. You, if you confess with your mouth, well, that's good. But then you've got to believe in your heart. God raised you from the dead. And you'd be saying, yes. You've got to believe Jesus is alive enough to save you. Mm. He said, I can't do it. And he walked off. Oh, dear friend. If you believe Jesus in your heart, confess him. We sing this song in just a minute, then walk down this aisle. You say, that's a big old crowd here. Don't worry. We're all for you. You don't have to sing a song when you get down. You don't have to quote a scripture. We're just going to go right outside this door with a friend, sit down, and, and there you can just nail this down and, and know. You say, well, I'll be embarrassed. He said, be some people. I said, listen, everybody in here is for you. They are. They're for you. If you find somebody that makes fun of you after you come down, you let me know I got deacons that will take them behind this church building and deal with them. And they got some helpers that'll go. It's called the wives of the deacons. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, friend, is it Jesus says, come, come, come. When you hear the Savior, come, come running unto him. That boy that got saved, that Moldovan young man, his wife brought him last Sunday, and, and they came. We couldn't speak a word of English. She translated she translated Sean <laughs> a South African through a Moldovan to a guy who didn't know English and he still got saved that's the grace of God that's a miracle I know that guy's saved amen he's born 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 again amen <laughs> what God did for that boy he'll do for you on this glorious Easter day don't let the devil talk you out of it you say, well, I, I just want to wait and make sure. Friend, don't be a weight watcher. W-A-I-T. Don't be a weight watcher. Some say, well, I just want to wait and watch. Don't wait and watch. You listen, and when God calls, you come. Don't be a weight watcher. Come running unto the Lord. If he doesn't speak to you, stand still. But if you know what you ought to do, and you don't do it, to that man it's sin. Don't leave here like that today. Come. We'll receive you. We'll help you. We'll love you. Do you see that picture of that cross? Throw that picture of that cross back up there. Do you see the picture of that cross on top of this building? 
One of my good friends made that picture a few days ago. When that friend came in this building the first time, she is godless, awful, on a road to hell. God saved her. Now she's living for the king. What God did for that girl, he'd do for you. You say, oh, preacher, I'm not that bad. Oh, yes, you are. You are separated by sin, just as lost as that girl was lost. But you can be just as saved as that girl is saved. I'm going to pray. John's going to sing. And when he sings, you be the first one. Just get up and come. If you're here today and ought to join this church, come and be right here. If you've been saved but never baptized, come and let's set a date to do that. We'll baptize you. It'll be a glorious good day, a wonderful day to come on this Resurrection Sunday. Father, save the lost, grow the church. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would stay the hand of the wicked one. No confusion in this room. And I pray that people will respond by faith today, coming unto you. Have your way in my heart and every heart. And I pray, God, you'll do a work in all of us today. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name.